Welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast, episode 50, Sports in Latvia. My name is Bobby. Joining me as always is David. So I don't know how much you follow the Marvel comics, but there's a fictional country in that universe called Latveria. It's where Dr. Doom lives. He's the ruler of it. I just want to be clear here. We're talking about a real country today called Latvia. Very similar sounding, not a made up Dr. Doom place. Very real. It does exist. I feel like there's a lot of stuff and this is like a tangent, but like a lot of stuff in movies that are just like on the nose adjacent, you know, like very much like kind of like an elbow in the side, you know, like, eh, eh, you know, you see, you see what we're doing. It's it's different. Mm-hmm. It's slightly the same, but it's different. It's like Gotham is very much New Jersey, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I, I've read a lot of Marvel stuff. So they, they have some very thinly veiled countries like Sokovia is apparently just Slovakia. Okay. We got a place called like Burunda and it's supposed to be Burundi in Africa. You changed a letter. (laughs) (laughs) It's called being creative, Bobby. You just change one letter and you're good. But yes, uh, Latvia, that is our topic for today. And like always, before we get into the sports, we got some background to share on Latvia because stuff like location, climate, even the history, it greatly affects the sports that a nation plays. So where is Latvia? It is in Northeast Europe bordered by four countries. We've got Estonia to the north, Russia is to the east, Belarus to the southeast, and Lithuania to the south. And then the west coast is the Baltic Sea. So Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, they're known as the Baltic Trio, the Baltic Sisters, just the Baltics. It refers to those three. They have a very similar history. They've gone through a lot of stuff together. Culturally, kind of similar between each other, especially Latvia, Lithuania. Uh, honestly, these three I don't hear talked about too much. They're always brought up in a group, but like, I don't think I knew any of them till middle school when we were assigned uh, a European country to cover and the kid next to me got Estonia. I was like, what the heck is this place? I don't know about you, though. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I know about Estonia is because as like a big follower of professional disc golf, like there's a lot of good pros that come out of Estonia, but this is only this is a recent thing, right? Um, you know, the Europeans kind of making a splash in disc golf is like a fairly new thing. I mean, you had like a couple that were like, you know, oh, this person's European, but now it's like kind of regular. But yeah, like the number one female player in the world is Estonian. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Which seems so random to me, like Estonia. I don't know anything about your sports. But then Latvia, I guess, kind of similar thing and Lithuania, too. But more with uh, hockey on those two. And we'll get to that. It's a little, a little, a little treat, a little, little, little snippet for uh, what's to come. Yeah. As far as the land goes, Latvia is very flat, very forested. Uh, that the highest point in the country is only like three hundred meters, which is a thousand feet or so in American math. And then climate-wise, Latvia is going to have all four seasons. It doesn't get super hot in the summer, and in the winter, it gets below freezing because. Latvia is pretty far north in the world. Like, it's pretty close to Scandinavia. Like, Sweden's right across the water. I uh, think climate-wise, similar to southern Canada, you know, where the people live in Canada, or, like, the northeast part of the U.S. And, and just in terms of size, 64,000 square kilometers, comparable to our good old state of West Virginia here in the U.S. So, I mean, it's not tiny, but pretty small. But David, population... I'll let you guess it, but I'll give you a hint. It's not a huge number. And also Latvia's population has been declining since the 90s. 
Um, do you know how many people are in West Virginia? <laughs> um, I would guess at most like two million. Yeah, that's what I was. I was sort of like, it feels right that amount. I'm gonna say, okay, so West Virginia is like 1.8 roughly. Uh, okay. I'll say it's bigger. I'll say it's like just under 1.2 or no, 1. Point, sorry, 2.0, 2 million words. So it's funny enough. Well, yeah, 1.8, like oh, same wow. as West Virginia, apparently. Yeah. I don't want to call Latvia the West Virginia of Europe because that, 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 that just, feels like that's a, not like fair. A slap. That's a, I don't think anyone deserves that. Sorry, people from West Virginia. It's just like you, you, you understand. You, you, like I yeah. would not be prepared to call any country the West Virginia of anything else. You know, I, right. I'm not in that position to feel I've so I've been bold. to West Virginia. It's it's pretty. I get a lot of stereotypes on the people, but like, honestly, it's, you know, a nice it's Appalachia. It's, yeah, the, the the mountains are great. But yeah, 1.8 million people, not a lot in Latvia. But I guess it's in line with a lot of the smaller European countries. About a third of that lives in and around the capital city, Riga. It's actually the largest city in all three of the Baltic states. I've got some pictures for you. Very pretty architecture. Consistently seen as one of the best looking cities in Europe. It's like kind of colorful. A lot of reds, which you just don't see here in the US. I mean, Europe in general... You know, from like a architectural standpoint, insane, right? You know, they've had thousands of years to kind of figure out their stuff. But yeah, this is absolutely gorgeous. Like, yeah, like the red, so much red, actually. It's like, it looks almost like brick. I don't know if it is, but like, um, like, yeah, nice red clay brick. But it's even like on the on the roofs. Right, right, right. And I see like, there's a green house in there, like a mint green ice cream looking house. Yeah, I love, I, yeah, I love like the, you know, European aesthetic you know for like the north the uh, i guess the eastern kind of northeastern yeah yeah it kind of looks like yeah you see eastern europe vibes but also kind of reminds you of like the scandinavian cities mm-hmm. sort of yeah 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 a little bit just in terms of ethnic groups about 63 percent of the population is ethnically latvian and then 24 percent russian and then the remaining percent a variety of eastern european groups belarusians lithuanians estonians Ukrainians, Poles, etc. And then the main language is Latvian, but Russian also widely spoken as a minority language. So David, let's get into why with a quick history. You ready? Oh, I'm always ready for boiled down history where notorious conflict happened nearby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you'll see all about Latvia here. We'll go through pretty quick. Way back in the day, bunch of pagan tribes Honestly, a lot of their history can be summed up with various European powers taking turns in control of the area. So there is like German crusaders, then Poland and Lithuania, then Sweden was in control. And by the 1790s, Russia annexes them. Skip ahead mid to late 1800s. There's more of a national awakening. I think this is true with a lot of European countries of the time. Like, hey, we can be a separate country. Let's go for independence. So that idea is planted doesn't take off immediately we got to wait till after world war one and then latvia becomes independent as does estonia and lithuania from russia but their independence was very short-lived because world war ii came and then soviet russia comes back in to control them except then nazi germany comes and they invade and they're in control for a few years then soviet russia takes back control so yeah now they're part of the soviet union after world war ii ends The Soviet era lasts until, you know, 1990. 
by the late 80s, there's those rumblings of like, okay, we're going to become independent again. And uh, yeah, Latvia and Estonia and Lithuania, they were the first Soviet republics to declare independence, became official in 1991. Since then, Latvia has joined the European Union and NATO. And yeah, they're a well-developed country today. Just haven't been their own entity very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of expecting a lot of trading of this, we'll say land, I guess, because like, it's not really, you know, it's probably all it was seen as is just like more land you could you could take. But um, yeah, I was expecting expecting Russia just because, well, of location, but also I'm pretty sure like Riga is like a Russian city when you play Civ. Like it's one of the like cities that you can get. Oh, right. I feel like it must have been a lot to get independence, you know, especially from, you know, like, a, you know, the dying, I guess, Soviet era, like Russia. But yeah, it looks like they've been a country for or slightly longer than our lives, which is I mean, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. And then they had a previous independence, too, but that was also short lived. Uh, yeah. So not a whole lot of time where Latvians had their own country, just completely independent, doing their own thing. So obviously, there's been a lot of influence in the sports that they play from Russia. And yeah, we're going to get into the sports. The first one, in terms of fan support and the talent level, the most popular sport in Latvia is ice hockey. We don't always get to talk about this one. Not too many countries play it because you kind of need it to be cold. But I'm excited. David, where do you think Latvia's national hockey teams rank in the world? Like, it's a rough estimate on the number. Oh, goodness. Um, So kind of small population, but probably one of the few countries that like full Cindy's into ice hockey, you know, like, since yeah. So, Oh gosh. Like top 10, top 15. uh, Yeah. I would say like, yeah, I would say like between 10 and 15. Yeah. I mean, that's spot on. Usually they're like the upper teens, uh, the women's national team, they've taken a dip recently, but the men's team always been in that upper teen range, topping out around 10th. I think ninth was their highest ever, but they've never really pushed the elite teams. However, they are currently ranked 10th in the world. They've hosted world championships in the past, including co-hosting the most recent 2023 men's world championship. David, are you ready for a little story time about that 2023 edition? I'm ready. All right. So disclaimer, the world championships are an annual event in hockey, and they don't contain all the elite players in the world. So like Canada is not going to be running out with their Olympic roster like the best of the best. It's they'll have a few NHLers in there, but it's not going to be the best teams from every country. With that said, there were two groups of eight teams uh, in Latvia's case. So they're in a group of with seven other teams play everyone once. So they lost to Canada and Slovakia in their first two games. But then the remaining five, they won all of them, including overtime wins against the Czech Republic and Switzerland, who are ranked above them in the world. So as a result, Latvia advances to the quarterfinals and they beat Sweden three to one, two goals coming late in the third period to get the win. They were outshot 41 to 15 in this game, yet still came away with the win. And then semifinals, they had a 2-1 lead over Canada. They blew that game. They lost four to two, but they still got to play in the third place match against the United States and Christians Rubens would tie the game late, and then score the game-winning goal in overtime. Latvia finished third in the World Championships. Best ever finish. Wow, that's um, 
it's it's like it, it definitely bittersweet because like you know you you're this close to being in the championship match, but at the same time third place third place pretty good podium finish. Yeah, and against competition you wouldn't be expected to beat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like for, being outshot forty-one to fifteen against Sweden, but still winning. I know. Give the <laughs> give the, the the keeper or the get him a, a pay raise or something. I'm just kidding. They're probably not paid, but uh, you know, or very little. But yeah, a insane performance. And then like you're making the best of your opportunities. I feel like that's always easier said than done. You know, is capitalizing when you have opportunities. Yeah, uh, and I should also mention. Their first game against Canada in the group stages was a six to nothing loss. So having a lead late against them, I mean, that's positive steps. No matter who Canada puts out, you know that they're highly competent players who are probably more accomplished in their careers than anyone that you're putting out as Latvia here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there are definitely um, a lot of positives to take from this. Um, but yeah. what wouldn't it have been crazy if you could have beat Canada? go even further as the co-hosts of this tournament yeah yeah but their previous finish their previous best finish was seventh at this yeah it's a huge jump yeah they jumped up pretty high <laughs> now admittedly that was the national team's only big result in their history but for what it's worth they've qualified for five of the last six olympics in ice hockey so they're a consistent presence just maybe not doing too much at those tournaments and as far as players go they've had almost 30 latvians to play in the nhl so a few of the notable ones i want to mention uh the most prominent one being sandis ozolinch he was a defenseman in the 1990s played for the sharks then was traded to the avalanche but he won the 1996 stanley cup with the avalanche made seven all-star teams in his career over 500 points as a defenseman which is you know obviously really good had multiple seasons where he put up 50 plus points and also of note here, if you remember back in our Northern Ireland episode, uh, they had a player named Owen Nolan, moved to Canada as a kid, but he was a first overall draft pick, but born in Northern Ireland. Well, when Ajolinch was traded to the Avalanche, Owen Nolan was the player he was traded for. So throwback, that's just cool little tidbits. Yeah, um, I, if you're only putting 30 out there, having a player like uh, Sandus with a seven-time all-star 500 points is no slouch and then you know 50 point seasons as a defenseman just kind of nutty and then uh, you and then you win the big thing you know in 1996 you you win it all if i think if you were any other country and you were only putting 30 you you'd be very happy with having a player like that yeah yeah like maybe not hall of fame level but the type of level where fans are going to remember you fondly and like honestly a pretty iconic name because there's not too many latvians you're gonna instantly recognize like oh okay that that guy stands out yeah yeah absolutely and i feel like if you are hoping to field more that's kind of the player you need is someone who's like over a long period of time been really good yeah i forget when he retired from the nhl but i know he was on one of latvia's olympic rosters when he was in his 40s uh, i think he was like team captain i don't know how much he played but he's the guy that sticks around you kind of want him as that presence yeah, absolutely. Another notable player that you might be familiar with, David, Arturs Urbe. He was a goalie, played over 500 NHL games, but I remember him as being the starting goalie for the Hurricanes in the early 2000s. And I know that goalies started a lot more games in the late 90s, early 2000s, but he played in 77 games one season for the Hurricanes, which is just nutty. Yeah, that's that's not a easy... Uh 
or that's not like you know taking the year off you know i mean that's pretty much all of them so yeah i do i i, I am familiar with the the name i don't think i recall i think he was playing right before we got our our win right yeah i mean he was before cam ward yeah yeah which kind of uh, unfortunate you know just being there and being you know <laughs> that close right right being done um but yeah i i'm always surprised hearing about you know players at a, from other countries besides like the big three for the nhl and so i, I didn't even think about uh Irbe being latvian i would have assumed he was you know just from the the bigger european um countries right right because yeah that's the same thing like i remember him as a player vaguely because obviously we were pretty young at this time yeah but uh I remember him in the NHL video games that I played as a kid, just learning where the players are from. He's like, I don't know if they had the flags beside player names at that time. I know that they do now, but I don't think they did back in the day. Could be wrong. Yeah, I can't remember either. But anyway, we have one other player to mention from Latvia with ice hockey, and that is Helmets Balderis. So he played during the Soviet era. He was one of the better players in the Soviet League top scorer a couple times, the only non-Russian player to win MVP of that league. And from what I could tell, he was one of the few non-Russians to ever play for the Soviet national team in ice hockey. He was actually on the uh, 1980 Olympic team, you know, for the Americans, the miracle on ice, but he was on the Soviet team during that time, only non-Russian on the team. And eventually Soviet players were allowed to play in the NHL, this happened in 1989. He was drafted by the Minnesota North Stars, 36 years old, oldest ever NHL draft pick. Yeah, that's crazy. Drafted at 36. Um, I guess it was that time where, like, you know, being in, like, the Soviet, I guess, like, on their, their team was kind of, like, a full-time job. And, you know, they, they were very hesitant about letting people come over at all, you know, to the NHL. But, yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah, the, the 1980... U.S., you know, the Miracle on Ice or whatever. I don't know if you've seen the 30 for 30, like, of Miracles and Men, but it's incredible. Like, one of my favorite 30 for 30s. And it's not on the U.S. team. It's on the Soviet team. And they go and they interview those players, and they talk about how, you know, what it was like, I guess, to be the the juggernaut at the time. And they, they do focus on a little bit on that game, but it's, like, talking about their accomplishments as a team, you know. It's, it's really good. I recommend it. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that. I've seen the Disney movie, the the Miracle movie. <laughs> Who do you play for? <laughs> the United States of America. Uh, yeah, what a time, what a time. Just also want to mention with Balderas, the team he played for in his club career was Dinamo Riga. Because the, the Soviet League didn't just have teams based in Russia. They had a few teams based in the other Soviet republics. But post-Soviet Union years, a new Dinamo Riga team was formed, and they actually played in the Continental Hockey League which the KHL, that's Russia's league primarily, but they have a few teams from elsewhere. And then Dinamo Riga, they withdrew from that league after the Russian invasion of Ukraine recently. So yeah, now, now Latvia just, they, they have some teams playing in their own league with some Estonian and Lithuanian clubs. But going to move on from ice hockey, I want to bring up another team sport played on ice. David, do you remember Bandy? Yes, and I feel like I need more Bandy in my life. Well, we'll get to a country that really, really is into bandy at some point. I mean, Latvia, they've been to the world championship multiple times. Similar story to ice hockey. They're maybe a top 10 team at best. 
just wanted to bring it up because it's a really cool sport. If you're unfamiliar, bandy is essentially like ice hockey, except it's played on a massive ice rink, uh, more akin to a like a soccer or football field. And the, the goal is much bigger, too. So it's like a combination of ice hockey and soccer slash football. Yeah, it's like it's literally like they were playing hockey, ice hockey and we're like, what if we just played this bigger? You know, let's have 11 <laughs> v 11 soccer rules, but we're still playing ice hockey. We'll get like one of the small, not not a soccer size goal, but like kind of like the size if you're like the youth goal size, you know, where it's like mm-hmm. a little scaled down, but still big, still a lot to cover, you know, for one person. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's a cool sport. Yeah, I think Bandy is dominated by Sweden and Russia. I want to say we'll get to them at some point. But yeah, Bandy, look into it if you're unfamiliar. There's actually a lot of variants of ice hockey out there that are really cool to learn about. Moving on, though, right up there with ice hockey in Latvian sports is basketball. So during the Soviet era, like we said, there are little to no players outside of Russia representing the Soviet Union for ice hockey. But basketball, different story. The Soviet national teams had players from a lot of the various Soviet states, including Latvia. They provided several players to the national teams. I mean, the men's national team, they were a dominant force in Europe and in the world. In Yugoslavia, they eventually caught up to them, and that was like a two-team rivalry in Europe. But the women's national team, oh my goodness, the Soviet Union were stacked. They were so disgustingly good. From 1959 to 1985, They did not lose a single game in a major tournament, meaning they won every world championship, every European championship, and every Olympics in that time frame, except for the 84 Olympics as they boycotted it. That's filthy. That shouldn't be allowed. That's what, 24 years of dominance? No, 26 years? 26 years, yeah. Gross. I mean, and expand that time frame a bit, and they were still winning like, silvers and they had some golds beyond those years it's just that stretch of time they didn't lose a single game yeah gross shouldn't be allowed (laughs) (laughs) obviously they had some really good players during that time and quite literally the biggest star from the soviet union and latvia from that time was uliana semyonova seven foot tall center she never lost an official international game and was actually the first non-American woman to be inducted in the Basketball Hall of Fame. That was in 1993. And also, at club level, just to throw this out there, she played for a team called TTT Riga, 15 European championships at club level. So just an insane career in terms of accolades. Yeah, some of the pictures, some of the pictures of her are hilarious because these other women are very tall too, but they're not seven feet tall. And it's it's like a high schooler playing with middle schoolers kind of, you know, vibe where it's just like someone who's probably six feet, six, one, six, two just looks like nothing in comparison. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like the I don't know if it's the Amazon or what forest it is, but you see like they have the the trees all there. And then there's that one tree that just stands out among the rest. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. That's Semyonova. Yeah, I mean, obviously, seven feet tall. And that's tall for anyone, especially in women's basketball. So obviously a height advantage, but I don't know, just crazy that never lost an official international game. Like, I don't know if anyone else could ever. Well, I'm sure other people who played on this team can say that, but 
I, I don't know beyond the Soviet basketball team. And that's just an insane record. Yeah, it's it's filthy. But independently, how have Latvia fared? Well, both the men's and the women's national teams, they're regulars at the Eurobasket tournaments. They're not among the top dogs, though. But both have qualified for one World Cup apiece. Uh, the women qualified in 2018. The men have qualified for the upcoming 2023 edition, which I just want to say this. The Latvian men's team, they failed to qualify for the 2022 European Championships. Like, that was their first miss since the 90s. And then they immediately turned things around, went 9-1 and one in the qualifiers for the World Cup, made it to their first ever World Cup. So you're quite literally going from the lowest of lows to the highest point in Latvian national team history. Yeah, that's quite the jump. Right, right. And that's in like, I don't know when qualifiers started, but that's like, what, a three-year turnaround going from missing out on a tournament where your regulars at to go in to your first ever World Cup. I think their only loss was like a one-point loss to Serbia in qualifiers. That's not the worst team to lose to. Yeah, yeah. And one point, you know, that's how many free throws you miss, you know? Yeah, I I, I didn't look into the game, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would assume more than two. So, you know, you're, you're in it. But uh, the reason I wanted to bring up this upcoming World Cup is because Latvia do have a star player on their hands. If you follow the NBA, you probably know him pretty well. Kristaps Porzingis, seven foot three, a big man who can do just about anything. Like he can shoot from three. He's good at passing. He's not a bulky big man. He's made an NBA all-star team in the past, averaged about 20 points in his career. And uh, I just remember when he got drafted, it was 2015. He went fourth overall to the New York Knicks. And there was this whole draft narrative around him because European big men who were drafted high, they just had a recent tendency to be busts when they came to the United States. And I remember he got drafted, like the draft took place in New York and the Knicks fans were just booing him. Like they were fed up because it's the New York Knicks and they came off one of their worst seasons ever. And <laughs> Stephen A. Smith had this rant where he was quoting I think from the Malcolm X movie is like, we've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok and flat out deceived. Wasn't just directed at Porzingis, but the Knicks management at the time, but he was very unhappy. And obviously Porzingis has panned out quite well. And he's not with the Knicks anymore. He's with the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that sentiment, or I guess the sentiment about European players in general, I think has changed pretty Pretty drastically, but definitely the big man, the big man, like it's less of like doom. I don't know. It's felt like doom in the past, I guess, like just because people say the NBA, I guess, is more physical, um, you know, and it's harder to make the transition. But yeah, I feel like when you hear stuff about the Knicks, like this kind of thing, you're like, maybe they deserve it. Maybe their fans deserve this. Like it wasn't his choice to be drafted. <laughs> right. He he just gets the call and says like, "Oh, okay, thank you." And I'm going to go walk on stage. Like there's not like a, there's not a negotiation. There's not like a, "Do you want to play for us?" How are you feeling? How are you feeling about playing for the New York Knicks? Uh, I don't know. It's a uh, entitled fans are just the worst. Yeah. Just provide some context. So the NBA has a draft lottery, so the Knicks had the second worst record. So You'd think, oh, they're going to get the second overall pick. No, 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 no. That's a lottery system. And they ended up getting the fourth pick. So their poor season 
some people would say, oh, it wasn't worth it. You only get fourth overall. And then you draft a big man from Europe who's been unproven here. None of the fans have ever seen played before because they're not watching European basketball. But Porzingis has made a great career for himself. He's still only 28 years old. He's with the Boston Celtics now. And I agree, maybe the Knicks fans didn't deserve him. (laughs) But before we move on from basketball, one thing I want to mention with Latvia is that in three-on-three basketball, which is now an Olympic event, they actually won gold at the Tokyo Olympics recently. And they were champs of Europe once in standard basketball, way back in 1935, the first ever European championship. Latvia were champs. But basketball was way different back then. I'm sure that could be a good spinoff episode, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess just like it's changed so much. Almost by like very, notor- I don't know, notorious players, like very famous players have like changed the game to like cater to them. And then like the league follow, you know, at least in terms of like, you know, the league in terms of the NBA, but it also kind of spills over into other parts of the world, um, just the way it's played. And uh, yeah, that'd be a fun episode just talking about just like the evolution of basketball, because it used to be go in the paint, earn your earn your points, you know, hard, hard kind of basketball. And now it's very much, a, you know, analytics says if you can shoot 30 something percent behind the arc, you should shoot that every single time yeah, uh, or yep. as much as you can, just because point wise, you'll be OK, because like you're probably making 50% of your two shots, you know, so it's a it's definitely I don't know. I feel like it's changed a lot and I feel like it has changed a lot in our lives. And then, you know, you hear from adults who are like kind of my parents age and my aunts and uncles age where they're talking about how, you know, different just college basketball was, you know, when they were watching it, you know, and how it's nothing like it is. It used to be right. Because like you could say back in my day, we didn't even have a shot clock or a three point line. <laughs> True, true. Right. Yeah, we played four corners and uh, just threw the ball around. And um, I don't know. Yeah, that, that'd be a great little, little, little yeah, spin-off episode, I think. That, like basketball and like any evolution of sports, it's a lot of things change. One sport that hasn't changed too much, though, is association football slash soccer, which is popular in Latvia, but obviously they have their priorities elsewhere in terms of team sports. But got to mention it anyway, because it is pretty popular. Latvia's national team's they're among the bottom 10 in Europe. Like they're better than those super small micro states like your San Marinos, the, the Liechtensteins of the world. But they're still a team that if you see them on your schedule for a qualifying round, you circle them and say, okay, that's a must win. Like you're expected to beat them. So with that said, yeah, they haven't played at a World Cup before as an independent nation. David, what if I told you though, the men's national team have actually qualified for the European Championships. That would be huge, right? I mean, I guess crazy. Right. And they have. So story time again. Here we go. 2004 European Championship qualification. The group, Sweden, Poland, Hungary, Latvia, and San Marino. So five teams. That's the ranking that they had. So Latvia's fourth best. It was a tense group. Going into the last match day, Sweden were on 17 points, already clinched first. Latvia were actually on 13 points in second place. Hungary had 11, Poland had 10, and San Marino had zero. They didn't score a single goal in this, so they're not relevant. But the matchup for the last match day was Sweden versus Latvia and Poland versus Hungary. So Sweden hadn't lost a game during qualifications. 
So Latvia, they have their backs against the wall to maybe get this second spot. While Poland and Hungary are both looking at each other like, okay, Latvia is going to lose. Whoever wins between us is going to get the second place. But of course, of course, Latvia pulls off a huge upset in this last game. one nothing win against Sweden. Take the second spot. And then that doesn't even qualify them for the European Championships. They have to go to a playoff round and they beat Turkey. And then they qualify for their first ever European Championship. And they actually drew, they, they got a point at the Euros. They drew with Germany, lost their other games, but crazy little run against some tough competition. Yeah, I feel like anytime you make a tournament for the first time, there, there's always concern about, you know, like probably won't get a point, but, you know, we're happy we're here kind of thing. And like to, to pick a point up in your first one, but also to do it against Germany is pretty, pretty special, I imagine. Yeah. And being the fourth best team, like they were the lowest ranked team to qualify for the tournament. So uh, yeah, a huge yeah. accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when we'll see that again. I think during the World Cup qualifiers this past time, I think they had San Marino in their group again or someone really small. And that was the only team that they were able to beat. And then I think they got a couple draws in there. So like that's where that's where Latvia is at. They're the worst of the non super small nations in soccer. But we're going to move on from there. We're going to move on to some individual sports. One that I don't know too much about BMX, which if you're unfamiliar, that's bicycle motocross, essentially racing your bikes on dirt tracks with a lot of hills and stuff. I mean, there's a freestyle version of BMX too, but I usually associate with BMX racing. Are you familiar with BMX at all, David? Yeah, I feel like most summer camp places for Boy Scouts, which we both were in, had yeah. like a BMX, BMX track, especially. Did you ever go to Tuscarora in North Carolina? Of course. I went there like yeah. multiple yeah. times a year, man. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, they had their uh, little BMX track out there for a while. I wonder if it's still there. Seems like a insurance nightmare. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely know about the BMX here. It's yeah. it's kind of big. It's, it's you know, decently uh, followed. I feel like. Every now and then you'll have something on, you know, ESPN or something, ESPN two or you know, some, oh, right. some like of it going on. The X Games, yeah, yeah. And then I honestly associate like the TV show Rocket Power, if you remember. Mm. From, yep, yeah. They yeah. didn't do it too much, but yeah. Well, yeah. BMX is popular in Latvia. Like they've hosted European Championships before for BMX. They've had riders earn medals at the European level and the world level. And they have one of the most notable BMX riders in recent years. His name is Maris Strombergs. Won the first ever BMX gold medal at the 2008 Olympics. And then he won gold again in the 2012 Olympics. And yeah, he's won multiple world championships in BMX. And apparently the world championships in 2024 is going to be nearby in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Oh yeah, that's uh, where... Uh, the Carolina Panthers practice facility is Rock Hill, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's pretty close to Charlotte. I think Winthrop University, that's there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, because uh, Rock Hill is, or yeah, if Winthrop's right there, then that's where the United States Championship for disc golf is. It's at Winthrop. Oh, yeah. Which is a weird place to for have, to have the course, but yeah, that's where it is. Huh. So apparently Rock Hill is hosting some <laughs> pretty big sports events. Yeah, and then I don't know if you recall... 
there are some Quidditch events in Rock Hill as well. Oh yeah, Quidditch, aka Quad Ball now. Quad Ball, oh, right? It's not called that anymore. Quad Ball. Man, Rock Hill. That's just so random. <laughs> Any listeners not familiar, but yeah, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Go visit if you're into some more niche sports. Some other sports that I want to mention real quick, you know, volleyball, motorsports like rally racing that seems to be popular in Latvia too. Uh, chess, just something I associate with a lot of Eastern European countries, but Latvia is into chess. And then tennis, which is played just about everywhere. But there is a tennis athlete to mention, Yelena Ostapenko. She won the 2017 French Open, just 20 years old and is currently the only Latvian to win a major singles event. But the thing is, she was unseated for that tournament, which doesn't happen too often. I think it had been eight years since that had happened previously. You'll see it like every five years or so, but for someone unseated to win a major tennis tournament, usually that's the start of a notable career. I think it's the only one that she's won so far, but pretty rare occurrence, I'd say. I don't know. I guess like tennis, since it's like an individual event, you can maybe have more opportunities for people unseated to do well, but it's still extraordinarily rare. And if I'm not mistaken, if she was unseated, then she probably had to go through lots of qualifying to even get into the, the, the main bracket. So, you know, a huge, crazy thing to do at 20 years old. I feel like, you know, a seasoned person maybe came back from injury, you know, unseated. Right. You right. can maybe see it happening, but yeah, to do it when you're 20, crazy. I think I'm just more used to like seeing the men's brackets for the past 10 years where it's just been dominated by the big three or someone else who's ranked in the top 10. And it's just, I don't know the last time that anyone unseated in the men's side has done that. Yeah, I, I can't think of it. Yeah, I don't know if there are lifetimes. I would be surprised if there was one. Before we wrap up with the Olympics, though, there is a sport native to Latvia and Estonia I want to bring up. It's called Novus, N-O-V-U-S-S, Novus. You could call it Baltic Billiards. So what you've got is this square table, and there's a pocket in each corner. But what separates Novus from other cue sports is that in Novus, you aren't actually hitting balls with your cue stick. You're hitting these discs that kind of look like oversized checkers. So I've got pictures for you, David. If you and me were playing against each other, Instead of solids and stripes like in pool, it would be red versus black. And to hit our little checker discs, there's one bigger disc, kind of looks like a hockey puck, and that's what your cue ball replacement would be. So basically a square version of pool, but it looks like you're using checkers. Yeah, it looks very similar to carom, uh, which is like the Indian disc flicking game also speaking of disc flicking in shape and general goal not similar but it does remind me of crokinole which is like was made in canada i think back a long time ago um but it's kind of everywhere now yeah it seems pretty neat i i feel like it'd be a fun game to be really good at i mean most games are if you're good at it it tends to be very fun but you know (laughs) i'm sure there are some crazy things you can do uh in novus yeah like i guess mainly for me only being associated with like pool or billiards and that kind of table. And then seeing just a square version of it where you're playing with discs instead of balls. I think that's the main thing that sets it apart. It's like all these Q sports, usually you're using a ball, but then it honestly looks like checkers or like kind of like shuffleboarding in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Not too far off. 
Yeah, it's definitely unique. I don't think I've... It'd be hard to be like, let's uh, easily understand how this game came to be because it seems like so many... Like an, an amalgamation of, you know, so many different things. I and mean, it seems very unique. Like, I, I don't think you could point to something and be like, this is clearly from Pool because it's not really like Pool at all. I mean, it is, but it's not... Yeah, I don't know the timeline on when all these other similar games came to be. <laughs> but yeah, if you're interested, Novus, N-O-V-U-S-S. If you're into the pool billiards, that sort of thing, check it out because it is kind of similar, but different enough to be its own uh, a unique experience. But we're going to wrap up with the Olympics. Latvia have actually had a decent number of medalists as an independent nation. David, I'm going to let you guess the number. I'll start you at 10. Do you think Latvia's won at least 10 or do you want to go, are we going higher than 10? I feel like they probably do like a really niche sport that they're really good at. I'm going to, yeah, I'll say 10. I'll say, I'll say higher than 10. Okay. Are we going to go above 20? I feel like that question means I should say yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. What about 30? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, I'll say 30. Over 30. I'm not going any higher. Okay. So you were essentially spot on 31 as an independent nation. Yeah, I had a feeling they had some things that they were really good at that was like very specific to, or, you know, like an individual sport where they've just done pretty well in. Right, right. So, yeah, you're kind of on point with that. When you consider that Latvia's really only been competing since 1992, I mean, 31 medals is quite a lot. Uh, It is worth mentioning that Latvia won three medals back in the 1930s when they were briefly independent. But yeah, a lot of Latvia's medals... In the summer games come from like a wide variety of things. There wasn't one standout event, but they've won 10 medals at the winter games, which have come in either bobsledding, luge or skeleton. Do you remember which one of those is which, David? You know the difference between them all? Yeah, yeah. So luge and skeleton are very similar because it's just one person. Uh, but skeleton's one where you go head down. Uh, yeah. It looks very unsafe. If you, I mean, I'm sure it's safe for them, but if I were to do it, death probably would happen. Um, and then bobsled, you know, is like cool runnings, of course, you know, with like the teams of two and the teams of four. Yeah, yeah. You're in an actual, like Boy Scouts, it looks like a Pinewood Derby car that yeah, you yeah. just sit in. Actually, Luge does have a doubles version where they kind of look like oh, they're really? sitting on each other's laps. Mm, that one doesn't seem comfortable. Uh, no, it doesn't. Like that would be ideal. Yeah, uh, Bobsledding, yeah, two to four people, and you're in an actual sled device going down a a predetermined track trying to get the best time. Luge, you're on an individual sled usually, but your feet are going first. And then skeleton is the crazy looking one where you're going head first on the sled down a icy track. I don't know how fast you're going, but it seems... Yeah, fast enough. (laughs) Uh, I would say, you know, fast enough to really hurt yourself. <laughs> All right. So update on how fast, like 80 miles an hour in skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not a slow amount. <laughs> Could you yeah. imagine? Like, even if I was on a bike, you know, where I have, I feel pretty confident in my biking skills going 80 miles an hour. I'm out. I don't want to do it. I'm going to hit the brake. I'm, I'm, but like on like basically, you know, a sled, an individual sled, you know, like kind of like going on banked turns on ice. Yeah. And like I've seen the stuff of like they're like, you know, they hit like a bump wrong or something. And they're like, you know, like yep. jerk. And I, I don't know. I uh, Not for me. Not for me. Just because like I would take a turn too, too, too sharp, you know, and then just whoop right over, you know, and mm-hmm. then that was it. That, he died. <laughs> well, 
the reason I bring these up, and especially Skeleton, is because Latvia may have the best Skeleton racer ever in Martin's Dukers. So he's won six World Championship gold medals, 11 World Cup titles in Skeleton, which is my most ever in both of those. Funny enough, he only ever got silver at the Olympics. Both times he got silver at the Olympics, he missed gold by less than a second. So they do four runs, add up your times for the four runs. He missed in the 2010 Vancouver Olympics 0.07 seconds. He finished second, but still probably the best skeleton racer ever. I'm just curious, like, how does it feel to be the greatest of all time in something that probably most people haven't heard of? Yeah, I think also to be quote unquote one of the best ever, but also not have a gold, but still win on high on the high highest stages like world championships. Like if you're winning golds there, you're the best in the world, you know, in that year. Like huge bummer, uh, I'm sure. Um, but you know, two silvers, uh, not bad. Probably more than any other individual athlete from you know Latvia can expect, just because there's a lot of people in the world that you know <laughs> do those sports too. You know, I don't know. It's kind of hard to. In an individual sport, you know, to, to assume gold, you know, just because like it's, it's right, so right. hard. Worth mentioning, though, with Martin's Dukers, he has a brother named Thomas who was also on a lot of the podiums for these skeleton races, but was always denied gold by his brother. I don't know. It's, I guess, kind of funny or a bit sad. It's, it, it's funny, you know, just because. It has to be awful, you know, knowing, you know, coming up second to, you know, your brother. And it's like, I imagine at that point, it's pretty well established that, you know, your brother is better at this than you. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, still, uh, obviously, you're still very good. It's just, you know, I'm sure it's a, a joke at family dinners and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in case anyone is curious, uh, several Latvian athletes did represent the Soviet Union during uh, that era of the Olympics. I mean, too many medalists to, to mention here, but like 20 plus people won gold for La- or for the Soviet Union who are from Latvia. But yeah, that is sports in Latvia. They're punching above their weight in a lot of things, especially some of the most popular team sports in the world, more successful than you would expect. And they've had some of the best athletes in some pretty niche sports. And yeah, they were a big part of the sports juggernaut that was the soviet union so honestly a lot more than i expected with latvia for this one yeah most most definitely i feel like ahead of time i was like okay we're gonna hit basketball and then i you know assumed we would hit football just because every country kind of is at least a little a little involved with uh soccer you know it's it's a big deal everywhere but yeah a lot more than i was expecting to and I'm always excited, too, when we get countries that are smaller that also have done well at the Olympics. Like, I feel like that's kind of rare. And 30 medals is a not, not a joke amount. That's pretty good. There are countries still looking for their first, you know? Yeah. And you've got a majority of those 30 coming in the past, well, essentially our lifetimes. So not even like 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely some cool stuff, especially skeleton BMX. And I'm always a fan of learning about sports like Novus because... I would have never found that if I wasn't Googling what are some unique sports of Latvia? And then you just stumble across this and everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty popular recreational game. Maybe not a sport, but close enough. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I was like learning new stuff. I feel like 
time and time again, and maybe I should just stop expecting less, but like time and time again, it just seems to prove like eh, there's a lot more to everywhere than like the basic sports. Yeah, more than you would expect. There's always, you know, so much more and everything's not just a simple kind of place, just the bare bones. Yeah, I mean, that's why we do this. We learn about some cool stuff with every country and even some countries that you haven't heard of, such as the country we're covering next, which is a group of Pacific Islands. Your hint is that if you've watched any video on time zones, you would have heard of this place. Uh, that's a pretty niche oh, true, hint, but true, true, yeah. true. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I feel like that one is going to be interesting just in terms of, you know, even if like the sports aren't that significant, you know, just that that country's uh, history, you know, would be fun yeah. to discuss. But yeah, and then uh, we're also covering an episode on another world championship. So we talked about that sport today, and that's all, all you're going to get. I, I, I feel like it's gettable, but, you know, you, you know, in terms of current events, but that one will be fun. I think we'll have a lot of fun with that episode. Yeah, we'll have fun with every episode. So stick around every time, every week. Well, m- mostly every week. Sometimes stuff comes up, but David, you want to take it away? Yeah, sure. Thanks for listening. Bobby said we are working to give you lots of content, lots of um, information on all the countries that you know about. And eventually we'll probably get some that you may not know about unless you are a big geography fiend. Yeah, come back. Listen to the episodes uh, of our country profiles and our spinoff episodes. We have a blast making them and, you know, talking about them. And I'm sure, you know, you enjoy the knowledge that comes with it. If you want to help us with uh, growing the podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with people that you know that might enjoy the content. Second best thing you can do is give us a like, a follow or a subscription on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on all the major ones, as far as I know. And, uh, is this a, this is a big episode or it's it's or yeah we've hit this is our 50th episode hooray ring the bell ding 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 ding